raise the sails, hoist the anchor, and all aboard the good ship CMO Combo. Off to explore the deep seas of conversations around the biggest topics in the lives of CMOs and marketing leaders. And all ships need a crew, which is why we're speaking to Maya Mufarik, Google alum, and now growth CMO consultant. Maya's here to share her insights into building a growth-focused team as a CMO. What sets growth-focused teams apart from standard marketing teams? What are the key components? And how do you go about building a team like that as a CMO? Stay aboard because we'll be reaching those waters very soon in this episode. Hi, Maya. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for inviting me to join you today. Well, thank you for joining us today because it's a it's a great topic that we'll be talking about because it's one that's very important to a lot in our audience because growth is very important to the CMO role, particularly CMOs in in earlier stage companies and particularly building a team that's focused on growth. So I'm very excited to be talking about that with you, Maya. But before we do get down to business with that, maybe you could introduce yourself to our audience a bit, tell us a bit about yourself and maybe explain why you wanted to talk about this topic today. Sure. Um, I'm a marketing operator. Um, I partner with tech founders and their executive teams to define but also implement their growth paths, um, really as a full-stack CMO looking at the full customer journey. Uh, my work is anchored in customer insights, data, brand, marketing, um, under the umbrella of my growth consultancy, Marketing Cube. Prior to that, I worked at Google, American Express, and not on the high street. And then in my last in-house role, I was digitizing the UK healthcare industry at Pharmacy to You by bringing repeat prescriptions management online, uh, very much a mission-driven business that delivers about 15% savings to the NHS in medication costs. Um, and that's a £8 billion cost line, so a massive industry. Um, today, I run a a portfolio career that also includes some angel investing and board um, advisory on top of my growth consultancy work that I've mentioned. Um, to the second part of your question, asking about, you know, why this topic is important to me, I think, you know, as a, you know, former in-house CMO supporting founders today and building the right teams, I think obviously there's multiple elements to it. The, the actual, the what, right? Your marketing plan, your strategy, your overall um, business ambitions. Um, there's the actual process in delivering all that and having the right uh, approach and, 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 and process to learn quick. And then there's the people that are delivering all that and actually very often are those who are both creating the strategy and putting the right processes in place. Um, so that all of those are really interlinked. Um, so, and then in my daily life, I guess, when I work with um, businesses, um, I think I can count at least, um, you know, three or four just in the last year who not only, you know, helping them with their growth mean, meant figuring out who were the right hires for them and helping them source them. So um, I guess that's why I'm really passionate about that topic. Excellent. Excellent. Let's sort of start in quite general terms. And let's let's define what we mean by growth-focused marketing team. Like what sets it apart from just a general marketing team or, or all marketing teams growth-focused? Should they all be growth-focused? Right. Um, so I think... Firstly, it's important to call out that growth is really a company focus and strategy, right? It's 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 definitely not focused on marketing only. And it doesn't exclusively sit with marketing, with product or sales for that matter. Really, it's a cross-functional alignment and focus. Um, 
And all of that really um, means that the organization needs to have some must clear must-win battles and metrics at company level that all departments are aligned with. And I think that's where very often the kind of challenges start um, coming up when we think that, you know, growth is delivered by marketing, right? So let's clear this one up. <laughs> They're a core part of it, but you can't really do it on your own like most things. Um, also, the other thing to remember is growth really is at the core of startups, but more mature businesses might be less growth centric in some way, right? They might be more retention centric. They might be more even, you know, building alternative business model centric, which arguably is some type of growth as well. So just at the end of it, you know, yes, they need to be growth centric if growth is, you know, core to, to the success of that business at that point of time. So hopefully we're starting painting the picture of how growth um, includes marketing, but is not limited to it. For sure, for sure. So let's let's drill down into sort of what are the components of a growth-focused marketing team, like particularly, let's, let's start right at the very bottom, in fact, um, because many of our audience are going to be CMOs who are a marketing team of one in very, very early stage startups. And it can be difficult to know where to start building team, like what to prioritize. So let, let's talk about what are the key components of growth-focused marketing team. Yeah. So... The, you know, if you might be a team of one in marketing, really clear alignment with your cross-functional team on the company strategy and core metrics, such as your North Star metrics, the key lever, levers that might allow you to drive the desired growth or other possible outcomes, um, really is the first step, right? And especially when you're a team of one, that cross-functional um, collaboration hopefully is just natural because you're not creating a silo of your own team of one, right? <laughs> and that needs to really continue and we need to maintain that. But really aligning on the core metrics and the company strategy overall so that that marketing resource can properly articulate the hypotheses or different marketing strategies that one might want to um, try to deliver to those growth outcomes at company level. So with this sort of cross-functional mm -hmm. um, decision-making process when it comes to growth metrics, does that mean that other departments have a bit of a say over which kind of marketers you need to prioritize when it comes into when, when you're building your team? Or does it always have to be the CMO making that final decision? When it comes to building teams, I think for sure, you know, uh, the, the, the CMO will have a big say. But as I said, because growth is not just a marketing function, right? And so if you if you think of um of the three elements that I highlighted earlier, which is marketing, product, and some teams have like dedicated growth teams per se, and those tend to be more around you know experimentation, conversion, optimization, things like that. Um they all are working towards growth together and some things really overlap. Right. So, you know, when we start talking about growth marketing, so it's not brand marketing, it's growth marketing. So it's really partnering with, um, you know, getting the right message with the right ad for the right audience. Right. So that angle of growth. Then we talk about product like 
growth. So this is where growth and marketing partner with product. And that's about, you know, building within your product referral loops, possibly um, kind of creating the right retention loops within the product itself. So, so again, that's kind of another angle. As you develop your marketing plan, as you look at the way your organization is possibly organized today or the intention in which, um, you know, the cross-functional teams agree how they want to collaborate, that's how you end up almost deciding, you know, is retention a marketing function or a product function, or is it both? And if it's both, how do you collaborate on this, right? So really looking at how all of those pieces work together to run towards growth. Um, typically growth marketing, if you kind of reduce to this really marketing element of growth, will be around experimenting with channels, experimenting with messages, um, th that element of it. Okay, so when it comes to that kind of experimentation, do you want to bring in sort of specialists in those channels to experiment on them? Or do you want more like a generalist approach, particularly in the early stage startup? Yeah. Surely a generalist approach is going to be the most important. Yeah, so so your very first agenda, I guess, when you get started on that journey is very much about making sure that you are... Um, kind of your, your your first, you know, kind of your first job is to experiment and get a grasp on a grasp on what your biggest levers will be. Right. Mm -hmm. So so with that, um, you want to bring absolutely um, a, gen a generalist, but the generalist, uh, what does a generalist really mean in that sense? Right. So if you think that your message, your channel, um, brought together can bring growth in this very strict marketing sense of it, right? Your bigger lever might be product-led growth, basically. We don't know. Um, and, and that's why you need to experiment in many uh, in many different areas. But if we focus on the marketing element of it, uh, then someone who can, you know, create the message, create the content, and then also experiment with the right channels um, will be, um, you know, the, the first, um, you know, support to an organization to start to get a grasp of those biggest biggest lever. Then when you say kind of where it bites, what kind of lever seems to um, be doing pretty well and which ones we could try to further expand on, that's where as we identified some of those levers as in channels, angles, you know, uh, messages, then we might say actually, you know, we need way more white papers. And so we need way more, you know, um, long form content writers, or it might be, you know what, PPC is working, but we're, um, you know, our generalists kind of reached the limit of their experience with that channel. Um, and we need more experts in that space. So that's kind of how you usually go through those steps. So it's about so you sort of build on what's working in that approach, is it? Like you you, right. you see you see the levers that are most effective and you build along those lines when it comes to the team. That's right. It's all about test and learn at the end of the day. And as as I mentioned, it's we describe kind of the very marketing elements, strict marketing elements you might want to test with. Uh, but I always invite team to look at growth as a company-wide element and really prioritize tests and opportunities across the board um, to, to really collaboratively find those levers. So you must have to be able to communicate quite clearly what those levers are to other stakeholders in order to get by and, and, and to be able to get the funds to be able to make the hires, I suppose. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot actually starts with some of the things we're covering today, actually explaining how growth product and marketing works work together, what are the um, the connecting points, um, why growth is a company strategy, not a marketing tactic, right? And so that then helps really bringing often um, cross-functional departments together in a joint partnerships. And then, you know, whoever signs off on the budget or on the approach would be CFO, CEO, or CRO, who whoever is um, the decision maker at that point. I think that's how actually you come as a cross-functional team with a plan that really uh, makes sense. And I have never seen a CEO complain about a very well-coordinated cross-functional plan. (laughs) Definitely not, definitely not. Um, So it sounds like you need to be able to explain in quite clear terms why you're making those hires, like why those channels working. Like, do you have any particular advice on how to approach that, particularly conversations with, say, a CFO who might not be familiar with marketing terminology and stuff like that? I mean, often when you partner with your CFO, your CFO will give you what I call boundary metrics. Mm-hmm. So what kind of CPA can we work to? What your, you know, in the, your PL, what your marketing contribution target might be, right? And obviously the, the business has some growth model that, you know, funded or not funded as a business, you kind of are attempting to, to deliver a promise to your to your investors. So um because it's so test and learn based, right? You're kind of hopefully making very frugal decisions around tests and totally able to demonstrate, you know, the kind of, you know, the control or the before after uh, your A-B test and things like that to really see, you know, this is what's happening. But most importantly, I think as an organization, would you bring that to your CFO, your CEO or whatever other stakeholder, you need to show what you've learned in the process and most probably teaching them, right? Or opening their eyes too. Would it be in the understanding of the customer? Would it be in the channel? Would it be in the trigger um, that makes them buy or that, that makes them decide to actually start their, their, their journey for solving a specific project um, problem that they haven't, that they had maybe for many years, but never dealt with. So, so things like that. Um, and I think that's really that kind of, you know, Fundamentally, a growth team is a is an experimentation team. It's a data driven team, and you know, no CFO again brought with additional data and proof uh, will not come along on the journey. So that that's really the angles that that you take to to show that. Then you know, to which level your CFO wants to completely understand the difference between a a conversion copywriter and a long form copywriter, maybe <laughs> not, right? But that's you know, that's kind of the the steps in that direction. And I suppose as well, you might have to do the inverse as well. Like, say, I know many a CEO and founders prone to reading certain case studies or finding some article on Forbes about some exciting new marketing channel. And they could come in and say, why aren't we investigating this? Why haven't we invested money into this? Why aren't we building a team around this? And I suppose you've got to be able to justify why you're not doing that as well. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, I always say channels comes last, but that not be a satisfactory answer to some <laughs> of those. Really, the way you answer that is that if you really understand your customer, if you understand their pain point, their desired outcomes, the anxieties they might have about, you know, using an alternative to whatever they're doing or not doing today, um, and understanding really their customer journey, you can actually explain why you're not using this channel right now because it doesn't actually fall into that journey or that opportunity. Um, And not to say that you might never, but right now you have so many more quality hypotheses to work through. um, And hopefully you have a track record to have 
done some good bets along the way. Uh, but yeah, I've definitely been in those positions like, you know, look at what they're doing. Why are we not doing that? <laughs> um, but very often, you know, if, and partially it's the job of the marketing team of the growth team or whatever they, they call it internally, whoever is leading that insight work to actually educate internally about all that because it makes everyone uh, much more efficient at their own job, no matter what angle that might be, um, by understanding the audience and 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 how they approach their um, journey that might lead them to your, to your product or service, that might lead them to your product or service. Let's talk about that communicating internally and um because as you said, that's a very cross-functional um, strategy growth that requires input from lots of di- different departments. So how much do you need to explain um, the highs you're making to the people you're going to be working with in those cross-functional roles? Like, how, how clear do you have to be in, in terms of the justifications, why people, certain people are coming in? Almost do you have to give some kind of like briefing on what this person's going to do when it, when they actually start their role? Yeah. I mean, you know, if I think of some clients I worked with, for example, tunes.com, if you're, you know, if the first step is really, you know, understanding the ambitions of the business, the core metrics are trying to hit and you're developing your marketing strategy or hypotheses that you want to prove through um, sound marketing strategy um, to the teams, that's the first thing you sell people on, right? So they're like, okay, the company is trying to do that. I believe that, you know, all of those building blocks in marketing or other places will help us in that direction. Um On the base of that, right, that then becomes, therefore, I'm going to, and I'm assuming at that point that some customer insight or discovery work has been done, because again, I wouldn't start writing a marketing plan without some of that understanding, or that would be the first agenda before the marketing strategies even reason, right? But at that point, if you got bought into that plan, everyone is kind of on the same page when it comes to at this stage you will continue learning of you know what customer the customer discovery and understanding you're then just articulating what what resources it would take to deliver something like that right and so i think that is very much a step-by-step process right you're not like there's this person we want to hire is like how did they fit into the picture now i'm taking this very linear marketing view of the world for a second to keep it simple but really at the end of the day Uh, They might be a great product manager in your team and they're doing a lot that is very growth centric or product led growth initiatives. And they're like, you know, we're really struggling with copy. We're really struggling with design. We're really struggling with a whole bunch of different elements. And it is possible that there's, you know, marketing on some kind of mini studio that can help them or already have copywriting talent. And that's where you start partnering. So, So very often, even those marketing hires might start from, a holistic cross-functional growth opportunity that we could deliver on better if we had different um, skills or additional skills in the team. So again, for me, on one side, it's super simple because like everyone's working together towards their own thing, but unless those have been defined clearly and everyone was put in, obviously they'll be like, why are we hiring this person? Why are we not hiring, you know, channel specialists? Why are you hiring a you know, a copywriter, what, and all, all those conversations obviously in house starts. But from my experience, they start mostly in like larger organizations that have that maybe are changing slightly the way they're doing something, or they are um, pre-established marketing teams that were maybe hired without really a plan, right? So, so, and then it's kind of almost a restructuring moment, um, and so the mindset of that approach needs to be um, explained and everyone needs to be bought into it. 
Let, let, let's talk about restructuring because we 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 started off talking about CMOs who and maybe even um, teams of one, but let's let's talk about a CMO who joins a a team um, a company that already has a, an established marketing uh, department or marketing function. How do you know where if restructuring is needed? How do you know if it's not set up for uh, proper growth focused tasks? Like what what kind of red flag should CMOs be looking out for? I mean, I guess without wanting to be funny, of course, the lack of growth, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> starting Stupid there, question. Start, yeah, yeah. That's starting obvious, but um, but fundamentally, I think it's the velocity of the experiments and the learnings. You know, how much more does the team know or have discovered in the last two weeks? Because if they're just churning the same campaigns for possibly the same or diminishing returns, like you're not learning anything, right? Um, silos between product marketing growth teams is a separate exist and everyone doing their own thing and it's not really coordinated we're all trying to acquire or retain that same audience right so it seems weird to not be doing it together um Yes, this kind of collaboration, I mean, it is very possible someone just came in, maybe because that role was didn't exist before and there was this junior team, there might be a lack of collaboration, but alignment around what is it that we're truly trying to do together. And I think there's an energy and a can-do attitude and a well willingness to learn in a growth team that performs well, that is undeniable, right? And I think it everyone becomes slightly depressed and disillusioned <laughs> when nothing is really working, right? So I think there's also an energy in that team. So so those are some of the things, really, you know, the biggest indicators is I think just obviously the returns are not there. There's no learning and 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 um, the, the the teams that should be closest to each other are working in silos. And um, what what steps can you take to kind of break down those silos? Like what? Like, yeah. Is, is there is there any kind of playbook for that or is it dependent on a sort of a case by case basis? It really, it starts with the mindset and to some extent the corporate culture as well. And not to say that you should start with the corporate culture and not with the mindset, but it's really ensuring that there is this mindset of test and learn and people are really working in that way. Um, and then based on kind of their latest experiments, you know, you you know, see really how they're prioritizing them. Are they, you know, do they know how to scale them and things like that? So, so I think that kind of becomes like this, you know, a mix of mindset and ability to experiment, right? And just the way that's just a natural way of working um, is super important. Breaking the silos per se is that if, if that mindset and ways of working is like shared by everyone, you can start collaborating better, right? Because if, you know, I don't know, product is working for with some kind of month-long sprint and things like that, I mean, you know, how quickly are you really launching and learning something? And then it gets delayed and then something breaks and et cetera. So I think first it really starts with the mindsets and the ways of working. And then you can actually say, okay, we're all working in the same way. How can we collaborate on some of those? And I suppose, again, you need to be able to show evidence on why this restructuring is necessary to to the uh, to the other stakeholders within the business as well, um, particularly in startups where people can be working quite close to each other. Like they can be quite comfortable in the ways that they're working and how they work with other people. So you've got to be able to explain in very clear terms why changes are needed. Sure, but I think you know. I think the growth numbers just speak for themselves. True, true. And, and a yeah. startup is is nothing but a high growth business, right? So I think I, I've I've seen that less of a concern. Usually, it's like obviously a change is needed if the if the numbers are not there. It's not. It's not always 
the people need to change per se. And sometimes that's the case, but just the way the collaboration is put in place, the actual setting the scene as to like, what are we actually trying to do? And sometimes those cross-functional teams is that if someone doesn't come across as the leader and knows how to define the North Star metric, align the different teams, prioritize, that becomes complicated. Sometimes they just need that guidance and clear path to then, you know, rally together behind it. And that's hopefully what the CMO should be doing is sort of like their main their main function within the business. Um, I feel like we've kind of identified almost by accident certain traits that go into a growth-focused team member, yeah. this experimentation, this can-do attitude, yeah. like the, 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 the motivation, the ambition to, to achieve growth. Does that require a certain level of experience then, that kind of confidence to have? Because that's got to be quite difficult to hire, in, uh, particularly in a startup environment, to get those kinds of people with experience. Like, How do you kind of bridge that gap between like affordability and the experience that they can actually do yeah. the, the job they need to do? I mean, it's not, it's not really a single person job either, right? So, so definitely if you have the right kind of head off CMO, et cetera, that can align the team, set the right objectives, align cross-functionally with our partners and, and, and help kind of the team therefore collaborate better. Um, it's, it's really kind of data-driven experiments, and we touched on that already. Um, it's very much around, um, you know, small bets, I guess. And so therefore you don't really, it, it's a mind, it's a mindset. I think as at the end of the day, what it is saying, it's, it's a mindset and it's a way of working and it's one that can be learned. It's not exactly, you know, we didn't all just been born with it. We, we, we you know, worked with the right teams or the right leaders or in the right environments that show us kind of that this is the way to do it. Um, so I'm not, I don't know how much the, it's not massive experience per se, it's just by the being brought in into that, that process. Um, but before anything, like you can't do any experiments and you can't do anything if you don't understand your audience, if you don't understand the language, their context and all of that. So, um, and again, very often I see, young and not so young team members just fail because they're just not given the foundation necessary to work and they possibly don't have the the gravitas within their role or the experience to say the reason this is not working or I can't do a great job is because we haven't done the customer research and I don't just don't know how to do it but I don't know enough about my audience to really do this that I'm just guessing or imagining whatever that might be um and you know and i guess again as a as a as a growth consultant with a lot of startups a lot of the foundational work they end up doing and no matter how successful or not and how big or small those businesses are is we always go to back to the audience or to really properly synthesize everything they know and expand from it or even properly go and discover lightly what that is not really in the deep kind of emotional trigger level elements of of customers and so i usually use the ex, the example an hbs professor is um heavily known for this you know he was kind of pushing on the fact you sell features you, you, sorry you sell benefits not features um but then I kind of, and this is all about, they're not buying a drill, they're buying a hole in the wall, right? And I kind of expand on that saying, well, that's all very good to know that they're buying a hole in the wall, but why are they buying a hole in the wall? To secure a heavy mirror, but why are they so worried about 
for that mirror to be so secure? Well, because they don't want that to crash onto their kids that are running under it, right? And so it's really getting to that level because really what they're buying is the safety of their children. And actually the drill is possibly not even the right self for them and actually getting a you know professional handyman kind of thing is what will fully satisfy them to their need to feel like their kids are definitely safe. And so I, I use that example to really push kind of the agenda of saying, do you really, really want, well, they use it because it's faster, it's better, it's more convenient, <laughs> okay? Right? And so, and therefore their ads say it's faster, better, and more convenient. I'm like, right, no, you know, and obviously not in this case scenario, right? But, you know, it's like, and that's what you really need to understand because it all trickles from there. You understand the audience, you can write the right plan, you can run the right experiment um, and build from there. So I, I suppose it's, it's it goes sort of back to that that mindset and that company culture that we were talking about before. It's giving people the the support and the platform to be able to really explore those avenues and be able to and be able to experiment and be able to fail as well. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, in every, not every experiment is going to work out correctly. So you're going to yeah. have to go. You have to be willing to learn from the failures as much as the the, the positives as well. And the other thing that I want to emphasize, absolutely, like you need to be able to fail because if you don't fail, you don't learn, right? And that that 100%. The other thing too, like, so I know we spoke a lot about experiments. The other thing that very often I have to remind my teams is that you don't have to test everything. (laughs) You know, good quality messaging that clearly, you know, that is obviously much clearer and much closer to your customer insights today than it was tomorrow. Sure, you could test it for the sake of it if there's a specific concern, but, you know, having social proof, clear copy, maximized for comprehension, you know, there is obviously an element of like, this is how you do conversion copy, right? You need the CTA, you need this. So you don't have to test every single thing. Like at least start by building something that according to all best practices and logic is so much better, right? And start testing from it. Because what I see also a lot of teams is they have a very dire, complex, mixed up landing page. And then they try to test from it. I'm like, well, yeah, maybe it will, you know, those multiple tests will slowly one by one optimize and make it a bit better, but it will never be great. And so it's also, and that's, I think, to your earlier point, that's where like you need an element of expertise. And I guess that's where I come in often with teams is to just like, okay, is this good enough? (laughs) Is this not good enough? Um, Is this enough to start testing with? Can we at least get, you know, kind of a a nice, clean alpha version as if you were starting today with all the right, and then let's start testing. So all of those elements become very important because time is obviously of the essence for startups. And so you can't really be wasting time and cash, therefore, right? You have only so much runway and so much time and and uh, to to prove your you know your next stage, right? And so um, so so that becomes also very important. Like you can't just test your way to success completely. You also just need a reference of what good looks like and start with that, and then optimize from it. And so I usually always say. Use the best playbooks available to you and then create your own on the back of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose, I suppose as well, the, if you've got all these constant tests going on all the time, it becomes a lot harder to get people up to speed as well. Like if you're onboarding someone and they've got all these different tools that they've got to be paying attention to that onboarding process can be a lot longer and more complex than it is. If you've got a very clean, very 
easy to understand tech stack with not too many things going on at once. Of course, there is going to be a lot going on in the background, but you want people to be able to hit the ground running surely in a startup. Yeah. But especially in a startup and smaller team, you usually have one or two people who are kind of the the tech stack experts, if yeah. you like, or you know, who implement, use, optimize, etc. Like that requires actual very specific tool expertise. And most people working within the growth sphere of that business will have an understanding of how they're being used, et cetera. But really, they're just contributing to the hypotheses to, okay, so what design, what copy, what this? And then there's a, you know, a couple of people that are actually the ones implementing, if you like, that test. So it just depends, obviously, who you're hiring. But usually, if they are using the tech stack, they will have the relevant experience for it. Okay. Let's uh let's build a bit more on sort of like the onboarding process for growth focused teams. Like how how important is it to have a very clear onboarding process, particularly with so many people in remote uh, working circumstances, it can be a lot more difficult to get a real good onboarding process going. Like how 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 is it why is it important even to have a clear onboarding process for growth team? So clear for sure, but also what actually needs to go into this onboarding process, right? And so I think we touched on some of those and they're true for your new starters. Everything you know to be true about your audience, right? Um, and I very much, you know, believe in the jobs to be done framework and use this one heavily, but that's almost that level of, you know, in a couple of sentences, right, of statements of like, what are the struggles, their, their desired outcomes, et cetera. Um, and then, Anything else that you've been able to build, you know, to build from, you know, we have, you know, we know that our um, kind of cust current customer base is that type of demographic or that type of this, like, you know, anything you can build around that on top of um, just what are their desired outcomes uh, and what are their struggles. And those really um, are just what everyone in the business knows and use as background to work on. Um, that same onboarding very often, not only sharing that knowledge, usually I recommend getting the, getting the new employees to actually give them a script, help them if they've never done that, right? But um, have them interview customers. So they can actually hear it firsthand. And hopefully a lot of what you will have told them on that onboarding will be confirmed. And, and they will also just kind of by experiencing it themselves you know further um they might learn also something new but it you know it, it will stay with them better and anyone in marketing needs to be able to interview customers i think that's essential it's really the basis of of of, of your work um then usually again depending on the maturity of the startup some element of like you know what's your messaging what's your positioning why do you exist again to really get them on board um and so you don't need a massive brand book a lot of startups won't have that but some element of that articulation um and you know if the person you're hiring is a brand marketer they'll be obviously evolving on that and building on that but if they're not they need what is true about us today that i should use as a reference becomes also really important because and those two elements are true to marketers super important to marketers but i would use them across the business really right because we all need to sing from the same sheet we need to really understand um our audience and we need to be able to express what you know to focus on what we're holistically trying to deliver um 
when it comes to remote, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a hard one. I know a lot of um, businesses that continue obviously getting together on a quarterly basis or, you know, biannual basis, whatever is possible. Um, there's obviously nothing better than to learn from each other. Um, I think the other best practice I saw implemented is people shadowing each other is to actually inviting people onto calls, even if they're mute, but just listening in how other people do things. Um, and maybe really insisting on that, because I think that's how the more junior talent can learn more. Um, so those are kind of some of the elements um, on that. I mean, other rewarding obviously will be, you know, everything about your product, your policies, your this, your that. Uh, but when it comes to like whatever marketing can really provide, um, I think those those become essential. I think those big picture ideas in particular, like the like what is the company actually doing for its customers? What kind of impact are you having on people? Yeah. That's incredibly important because motivation, as we've said, is incredibly important for, for marketers. Right? No, absolutely, absolutely. So that's kind of your, your element of, you know, um, you know, your purpose. Why do you exist? We exist so that what, right? And then your positioning, you know. Now you can do what, thanks to that product opportunity, unlike what came before you, right? Kind of thing. So, so essential, yeah, for sure. So Maya, we've, we've covered a very broad spectrum of topics here related to the building a growth focused marketing team. Let, let's pull things together if you can to maybe two or three golden rules around what CMOs need to have in mind when it comes to building their teams. Yeah. So a growth focused team that, that is, be, you know, sorry, a marketing growth focus teams is really a core partner at a cross function, you know, cross functionally to deliver the company growth. Um, and so that cross-functional collaboration is essential. Um, they're absolutely data-driven in their decisions. And so this ability to work with data, learn from data and track everything as needed to be able to learn from it um, also becomes really important. Relentless focus on the customer. We talked a lot about that as well. Um, and then finally, the ability to experiment and learn fast, even possibly suggest pivots, right? To the product or the approach um, while also knowing what good quality is so we can start from a good foundation and experiment from there fantastic fantastic thank you very much Maya. this has been a really interesting conversation i know it's one that's very important to a lot of our audience right now um and as you said it's probably an important conversation to be had outside of the marketing department as well so i hope i hope non-cmos listen to this episode as well because it'll be important for them um I'm sure our audience has found this very interesting and I'm going to thank them as well for joining us today. Um, we'll be back soon with some more CMO condos. Thank you, William. Like what you heard from this CMO combo? Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was.